Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Troop Chat. Today's temperature, another May music production, and I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds. And yes, finally bringing the Roe versus Wade overturn to a close. Here is part three of that conversation, okay? It's just so much deliciousness going on on True Chat to fit it all in, okay? <laughs> uh, before we go into the conversation, a couple of questions I want to bring you all's attention to, I want to put on your mind. What makes it so that the human race is fearful of the unknown? This is a worthwhile question to ask oneself then relate to the whole of the human race. Why is it so difficult for the human in its earthly body to be unafraid of just the experience of the unknown? I say fear of pain, both physical, especially physical and emotional, which signals death. And that, my friends, is what's at the root of fear. The thought, the idea of not existing anymore, death. The human, the human creating ways we think will change. <laughs> People say kill the ego. I say recognize the ego so that you know its place its role. As we end this particular series with this last part of the conversation, I want you all to remember that conflict looks for resolution. Okay? Difficult conversations bring forth truth. Let's not be afraid of seeing who we really are. The whole of us. Now, you're going to want to get your sunblock out and maybe even your sunglasses because there is a direct beam coming down in this conversation. So it can feel a little heated. One of the things that I started to leave out of these conversations was our initial activity that we do, the presencing activity where we meditate. And we bring everything to focus. We bring ourselves, our mental state, and our physical state to the conversation. That is a very essential and significant part of any conversation and or discussion where there just may be conflict that is definitely looking for resolution amongst everyone that is involved. So you all, I want you to open your ears, open your hearts, and open your minds to receiving a higher knowing without being offended, but feeling informed and becoming curious. And what role are you going to play in moving us forward in this new world and creating the one or the world that you want to see, which means you must be accountable for the world you have been creating. So let's 
up the shades. And let's go, people. Let's go. Get up, 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 get up. What I'm communicating to you all is it's not just us, the chosen ones. And when I say what I mean when I say that is that we are the ones that have been chosen to do this thing differently, to turn it around. And it's not just the black people. And in order for us to see that, we have to see the pain of others. And there's no way you can be the beginning and not have anything to do with that pain. And I'm wondering where, where are we in seeing and acknowledging that so that others can acknowledge theirs? And I don't, I don't even really hear it much in the, in the conversation that we're having. That's why I'm asking the questions the way I'm asking. Because I think there's, well, you and I have had this conversation before. I think there's different work for different people. It's not my work to save white women. I don't want to nurture white women. I don't want to mother white women. I don't want to do any of that. But there are black women who want to do that if that is their work. So I'm not taking that on. And I don't feel I have an obligation to take it on. I also respond to uh, what the sister said earlier, too, uh, about the child that didn't want to return, that, that struck me, that, that, that struck me. Um, so I got have a question, but I also have a, a response to that, too. The question is, uh, is the answer to darkness more light? So what I mean by that is, like, I look at children as potentially being more light coming into the world, you know? And so a lot of my work has been with youth and I work with, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of, a lot of different, youth, you know, as well. And, um, and I feel like part of, part of my work has, uh, has been, um, like I tell the kids, you know, my, my, my job is not to change mind, but to lay something on your mind and to, and, and, and I, um, and so that's even working with, you know, white, like all, all kinds of different, all kinds of different uh, races of, of children, you know, because I feel like they're the, they're, if, if, you know, if as much darkness as we see, or, you know, that the light is the truth, this is the youth. And they're, and, and, and giving them the space uh, for them to, um, to grow into into the light and, and to to be that light, you know, because that's the only way things will change is, is the next generation, you know. Yeah, I agree. My work is with children. So why does it sound like when I say what I say, it means that what you hear me saying is you got to fix white women. <laughs> why why is that what you hear? That's the work of some people. Some people feel like they, because I never said what the work was, but you interpret what I said to be the work of healing white people or like how you described it. And that's not your, that's not where you're coming from. Why is that well, what you hear? We've had many, you, you didn't necessarily say it tonight. We've had many conversations, Joy, where you said that that is the work of black women. To, to nurture white women. They are our children and we need to do that work. 
and 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 that and I'm not saying nobody does. I do believe that's very valid. I've had relationships and interactions with white women that were exactly that. And I know they benefited from that. And so I gave them that. But that is not work I choose to take up. I just don't want to. So let me make it clear. That's not what I'm saying. It's the same thing when I say what I say about Black women as it relates to Black men. Uh, the comment that I make when I say that we have to, ch we have to make a change immediately, most Black women think that I'm saying you got to change a Black man. That's not what I'm saying at all, but that is the perception. So I'm asking why, what is it in what I'm saying that that is what you're perceiving me to say? I can, that's I, definitely not where, what I'm saying. And I will, I will, I will speak on what, 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 I'm, what I mean. Go ahead, Tiara. I haven't much because I'm, for me, I'm trying to connect the dots. I will definitely, I can agree with what was just said. Because if we go back to the playground, but before we were talking about the playground, we also were talking about um, this being this abortion thing being mm -hmm. a white woman's issue. So in the back of my mind, throughout this whole conversation that we've been having tonight, the root of it has been white women. So when I hear you saying that there's a child on the playground who's angry and doing all kinds of uh, uh, unruly stuff and, and is dealing with pain and whatnot. I also think about a parent that sometimes has to cut a child loose. There are sometimes you got to cut cut a child loose. Sometimes you can you can enable a child too. So I can understand. Um, let me see. how you say your name again, Miss Samana. You can call me D. Okay. What she said about when it comes to white women, I only spend my energy on those who want to change. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. And I don't have the space to be dealing with that child that's acting a fool on the playground. I, I, I don't. And, um, and because again, I, to piggyback on when you were when we were talking about minorities of the world versus minority in America, I want to say in Tennessee, it's only 17 percent black people. So we are the minority in America. I am the minority in Tennessee. So as I'm listening to this conversation and I get that we're talking about, you know, trying to think about solutions and stuff and how to make a change. Um, at, at, at this at this rate, as a minority, knowing full well that white women in my state are considered a minority, but she gives birth to white men who keep on oppressing my people. <laughs> um, it 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 it, it, it it's like at, at at some point, cause. You and I, I've had, I've had the conversations with you. Because, like, in a real world, yes, Black women and all of us and Black people can rise up and we can love on the white people. But come on, y'all. You know, they want to say that we savages. I, in, in my history studies and my love of history and really studying them and what they did, not only in America, but what they even did in their own, own Europe to the white folks, the Anglo-Saxons. What the Anglo-Saxons even did to people who looked like them. 
Yeah. I'm like, well, how how do you really tame a savage? So first, you give an account on minority and numbers based on the census and what they turn in, right? That's not the proper count. No, That's well, I'm talking one. about. I'm talking about black people because yeah, it's I'm, a in this country, as it relates to majority and minority, Excuse about me. looking from a worldview and really as those of us who you know what I'm saying are black, and then even when we talk about that, that you know we can agree or disagree on what's African American, what's black immigrant, what you know what I'm saying. Like so, there's even differences within blackness, right? And so I'm. When when we were talking to you, you were like, "We're the majority, majority, yeah, on the world scene." But like, even in my city, in my state, I'm not the majority. I am the minority. And then, that's what I'm addressing. In your city, in your state, is based on a count that the government gave. as it relates to majority and minority. It's a census, but it's also a reality. (laughs) When I I roll around this city, it's not just a census thing, it's a reality. Black people are the minority. We the the minority in the city. We the minority in the state. From a census standpoint, and also from a reality standpoint, because here's the deal. Even though we know on the census, Caucasians, can also mean Northern Africans and people of color are Hispanics who choose to call themselves Caucasians. Here's the thing, it's a mindset. So those people who choose to call themselves Caucasians, they walk, talk, and act like Caucasians. We got some brothers and sisters who walk, talk, and act like Caucasians. So, so which is the point that I'm making, it's not something that's real. It's based on what numbers that come from something that we know is not real or is not even a full count of. And then when you speak, when you give that uh, analogy, that's even something that's more not real. So those of you all that know me and know the work that I've done and that I do, very seldomly do I ever give myself to a white community. All the work I've ever done has been with us. Anything that I've ever given as it relates to me, the skills, the knowledge, all of that has never been outside of my community. So for me to say what I'm saying, I'm I'm not holding hands like that, but I have a higher understanding and knowing based on just working with my own. The ones that really been down in the dirt. Like I say, I call them starting from revolutionary. And when you really into that, you don't stay a revolutionary. You become a nationalist because that's the only place you can go. You start to look at things on a broader perspective. And once you start to see those things play out on the broader perspective, then you start to understand how it turns back to you. Now, as a as a individ, as a myself, I am clear on being a balance, a very even balance of both male and female energy. <laughs> and I was told by someone, "Good luck with that," because you have un- you understand both sides. So most people want you to side one way, 
and see things one way when it's, I, I can't even do that, even when I want to. I'm always being forced to look at things as they are, but joy makes some sense out of it, just like everybody else else does, to make it work for me. But it does not stop me from seeing the truth. And when I say, when I think of men dealing with, when, I, when we work with all I work with, I hid, hid in working with boys instead of a mixed crowd because of my own fears and insecurities ab about my sexuality and my feminine energy based on what the world was telling me about it. For them to teach me and show me something different and, and show me truth about who I am. And so it wasn't about changing them, physically changing them or in the nurturing of them. It was more so about them actually showing me, me nurturing me, things I'm doing differently. For them to see something different, which brings about a change. So, I just wonder what stops us from seeing that? Because I don't, I, I don't really, I really don't think that it's because I got, I'm so balanced on this whole sexuality thing, on this whole male and female. I really don't think that. Again, um, I just want to be clear on what it is that, you know, I don't want to veer too far off the, the point. But I want to, because my, when I heard it, when I heard the, the statement in the question, um, my understanding was that um, it was talking about us uh, impacting uh, white people, white women, you know, and helping or to nurture. That was what I heard. So that was my understanding. So I also get that we all have assignments that we come here to do. And one person's assignment is not another person's assignment. And so in that, some are called to go out to the masses. Some are called to go out to you know, uh, the homes or to, uh, to the communities of uh, the systems, you know. And so that is where, you know, I understand um, just how to impact people was, you know, myself as an artist, always around people of all races from, you know, the age of, you know, eight years old, you know, I was in a, uh, actual uh, theater company called Black Expressions. And the theater uh, director was a black woman from Mississippi who looked white, <laughs> right? With a Jewish uh, piano player. She was a, our musician, her name is Ms. Sherman. But um, they made sure, because because Mrs. Bivens was a white, a black woman, a very, very strong and forceful black woman who looked every bit of a white woman. She made sure that we knew who we were. And I think I don't need, I think we had one fair skinned, uh, you know, sister that was in the company, you know, um, 
And we were in that company from eight years old till I went to high school, till junior high school. So I was in seventh, eighth grade. I was in that company. And that was my first experience performing. We performed for, at the White House. You know, so these kinds of things, when you talk about impacting, that's my way. Because I don't think that, um, you know, white, white people have to be willing and they have to be at their most vulnerable state, whatever that looks like, to come to what I call the mat, <laughs> to be ready to, you know, be real about whatever this, whatever their responsibility or whatever their position is uh, in this thing we call being a human being in, in this thing called race, because everybody plays a part in it. Everybody plays a part in it. And so, um, so again, that, that's what I heard, but I also understood as you continue to, you know, expound on it, that we do have these different uh, callings and, and, and uh, responsibilities to be actively, um, you know, ready to do whatever the work is that we've been chosen or we have chosen to do not been chosen, that we have chosen to come here to do. And so in that, you know, I just feel like, you know, it's not something that we are uh, responsible for, uh, but we're responsible to, <clears throat> because it comes back to us, right? So, uh, but again, <laughs> you know, white folks got to come to the mat. Right, okay what I keep saying, they got to mm -hmm. come to the mat and they have mm -hmm. to come to the mat. They're coming to the mat, but it's a lot of black folk around it. What I find in, in even a lot of conscious black folk that will jump on the page of, oh, I need right now that'll keep them from coming to the mat the way they should be or the way, and what I mean should be is in truth. Bring your, bring your true colors to this mat. Don't come taking notes because then we starting the same shit we've been doing. Bring your mm -hmm. racist ass, bring all that hate, bring all of that. I'm going to throw, I'm going to slap this child. I want to control. I want all of that domination. Bring that to the mat and let's deal. Mm -hmm. And all of us in this situation, because at the end of the day, we all here. We're all here. We're all experiencing this. And I'm not one to be losing. I'm just not one to be losing. I don't even know how to put guns down. Mm. Within this darkness, love for this darkness within this, I don't know how to make it make sense. I can tell my story, but I don't know how to make it make sense for the next person. We all have to find it. And I'm saying, can we acknowledge it to find it? And the more we keep getting attacked, it's like, you know, when do we stop the attack? But I, again, I don't think it's everybody's call to do that. I mean, when you think about, you know, everyone has a different assignment. You know, I, I need, I, I, my walk on this planet thus far, I have to have warriors, people that are ready to, because I, I can be on one side and be the nurturer and be the one that's, talking about forgiveness, 
But this other person might not be like, no, we just need to cut their head off. Yeah. And that's real. Because and I'm like, go ahead and do it if that's what they're saying to do it because I, I might have missed something. You know what I'm saying? I'm, but I'm not always that person, although I come from that. And, and, and there's a time and place for it. But I'm all about stuff. We, I think we as people of color, people of African descent, we have to do the self-work for ourselves and then it becomes a reflection to other people. That's but what I'm saying. It's our job. Okay. What you I don't just said, that's the very point yeah. that I'm making. And that's okay. why I said what I said when, when the work that I do, you don't see me working out there. I'm not, hey, Becky, come on, let me show you how to love. <laughs> I'm not doing that shit. Yeah. They come that's find a good job. me. They come find me where I am. Everybody has work to do. And let us just be real clear on what the work is for us and commit to doing it. And like I said before, be ready to do work that we will never see the fruits of that work. Do it for the future. My whole purpose and reason was to show this Roe versus Wade amendment being overturned as being a distraction from what we really and what is really happening the awakening that is happening amongst the people, not just black people, but people in general. And, and what is causing the fear, how people are moving in fear. Also to try and bring on board the things that we don't know that are existing. You all have, what are, what are your closing remarks or what do you wanna leave with? How do you feel after this conversation? That's that's heavy. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, well, one, just, just thank you for, uh, for allowing, uh, for creating the space for voices to come here. Um, and I'll just share real quickly, you know, this is, it was, uh, you know, from a male perspective, just on the, the, the abortion, you know, I've, I've walked down that road with a former girlfriend of mine and being the guy with her, you know, on that side, it wasn't, it wasn't easy decision, you know, at all. Um, but ultimately I felt it was her decision. I, so whatever she felt I was, I was gonna be support, but I just saw just how much it was it affected her. And then ultimately, really, I think it affected us, you know, to a level. So just from a, a male perspective, it, 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 um, I had nothing but empathy and compassion in that moment. Did you have a selfish feeling at all where it affected you? Like, how did it affect you, period? Like, without? Yeah, I mean, because I was, you know, when, when, when found out, you know, she's pregnant, I was, I, I got, I was scared. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready, but I was willing, you know. Um, on the selfish level, I feel a bit relieved, a bit, if I'll be honest. You know, but I also, but but when we came back home, I just that's when I felt the the enormity of of what she was experiencing. You know, so. So that's, so I just wanted to share that on a personal level. Um, but 
also want to uh, also address the, the distraction because there's so much opposition that we're seeing and there's so much polarity and everything is, is like we're seeing is, is to create this friction. And I think we have to see through that um, because uh, like somebody said, it's not just black and white. It's me. And I think, you know, once we kind of, and I think the key to me is seeing the humanity in folks. It was one scene, seeing our own humanity, and seeing how that is reflected, reflected out, and then seeing that that humanity in others. And for me, again, I can see that when I'm working with youth. I'm I'm one of the ones that has worked in different communities, many different communities, you know. I'm up in Roswell right now this this week, and, you know, and um, which is a mainly, you know, a white environment with, with some of these kids. But then um, the next week I have, uh, I'll be working with none but our folk. So, but through it all, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, to really touch on her humanity. Is from the playground standpoint, if we're looking at the angry child as ourselves, and I can just say specifically as a Black woman then, um, the root of acting out on the playground would be from the lack of provision and protection from a Black man. And so many and especially those of us who have chosen not to abort our children, but then our men abort their responsibilities, then we're left to raise these children. And so therefore, if the work that you spoke of that needs to be done, then we as the Black community really have to look at why is it that our head, our provider, our protector keeps aborting mission to stand in his place. Mm. And because of that, women becoming the angry child on the playground acting out because she's feeling and left unprotected. And that's the best way for me to conclude, you know, with everything that we've, we've touched on, because until we can fix our house, I can't see how we can deal with the pain as a collective of white folks. Yes, individually and those who are willing to come. You know what I'm saying? As we said before, yeah, that's easy work. But we still have a lot of work to do within our community when it comes to us and abortion, when it, whether it be abortion of, you know, our children or abortion of our positions and our titles that we've been divinely given. you know, to stand in it. And as you said, 
be responsible. So I would just say to, to end, I think we have to just be responsible to um, ourselves, our children, our community, our spouses, you know, our families, and quit aborting the mission that we've been called to do. Difficult for us to do that because there's so many distractions to keep us out in that world. Distracted from the source. Distracted from the truth. From what's really going on. When does it pay to not be distracted? Self-preservation, self-realization, self, you know, acceptance, self-love, uh, ex- you know, the responsibility of self is what, you know, like I think is when I when we first started off, like we have to, this is a situation where it, it calls for true and authentic accountability. Um, we have to now rethink how we, how we are responsible to, uh, for ourselves, to ourselves and for the circumstances that we're in. So, you know, um, this is going back now. Also, if we if we want to look at it from that from a perspective of you know outside of the bigger you know plan, the you know we we have to then be responsible for what is it we do that we're doing as individuals when it comes to this abortion thing. Number one, and and understanding that um, we have a responsibility when we lay down period, you know? And, you know, I deal with communities within the tradition. Uh, I work exclusively with people in the tradition as a, a priest for a living, like this is what I do. So I'm constantly of being of service to people that come to us from all walks of life. Um, and a lot of times we just kind of like, you know, we're just in this culture where it's just like whatever is good is what we do. So this will um, hopefully, you know, my closing thoughts and remarks on this is that we have, we've now come to a place of true accountability for ourselves and to the fact that there's a result that comes from this that we now know could cause trauma even the more of, you know, as a result of everything else. We already know where we deal with trauma and drama and trauma and trauma and drama. So it's like, why put ourselves in that situation or circumstance? That's, let's call, let's, let's be now be, become more responsible. Let's become more accountable. Let's think, period. Let's just think about what it is that we're doing and how it is that we're coming together so that we don't have these situations again, then they're done that, that got the t-shirts and, and the suits and shoes for it. Think about how, what the result of these com- these situations can bring us to and the result of that. So that's my, that's my closing thought on this is that people would now be, just start to think. I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, God bless you, love you. I'm in such gratitude because I know in this conversation, like Mama Damana said, we have had conversations before, and even in the conversations that we had, it was all it always had that tone. But this was a place where I feel like I was able to truly express what I mean. And it still probably did not come through. You know what I mean? And I feel like that 
what I know that to be are the symptoms of systematic, the systematic things that we've gone through. So I, even in understanding that, and there'll be a time, it was going to be some time before I'm understood. That's usually how it goes years later. To have come out of this conversation to hear the two of you, the two of you Black women to know, to like, yo, it's not years later. Y'all hear me right now. It's amazing that you said that because as I was gathering my thoughts about everything that we were talking about, one of the things that came to me was joy is ahead of her time because what what you were talking about and what you were pushing us to say, I was like, we as a collective, not just us on the this call because whenever I'm speaking I'm not just speaking about myself but just how you know we as a community I said we're not ready collectively for what sometimes you speak of right as a whole and so don't get discouraged when people don't understand what you're trying to push forward or push people to think for please understand that you've put it out into the atmosphere, just like so many other people who were uh, before their time, right? And just understand that in due time, the things that you were challenging people to do, it, it, will, it will be met. But don't get discouraged because in this time, people aren't ready for the things that you are saying but they still have to be said and they still have to be heard because in the correct time, then it will be known that we, we're, we're prepared to do that because we already heard that that was something that needed to be done. Thank you. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back out there, I just want to real quick to share a quote from my dad. And it goes, those who make big splashes, create waves that dissipate into insignificant pebbles upon the ocean of time. But those who stroke the water of gentle consistency create in due time a tidal wave of change. So just keep stroking that water. Keep stroking that water. You know what I mean? Y'all feel that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. I, I don't even I don't even want to come behind that, but I just want to say to y'all, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing. I'm just thankful to share this space with y'all because it's always a blessing. Yes, it is. Always, always a blessing. Um, and but but I but I I just want to always uh just be for you to always be reminded that every the the tool and the energy to hear the ability to hear and to be able to uh, comprehend and to, to translate and then to communicate, it goes both ways. So sometimes we're not, we're not always hearing what we think we understand and what we are understanding, we're not always hearing. So we also, we also need to be clear about that. So when we're speaking, people may not always understand what we're saying. So we want to be sure to either try to work through that until we feel like there's just no breakthrough. And then like with uh, Lady T said that, you know, then you, you understand then that that is something that is going to take some massaging, some growth, some redevelopment and all those things. But, but the thing about communication that I have learned is that 
people will say something and then we'll trans. That's why I asked, let me be clear with what you're saying, because in my mind, I was thinking something else too, but I had to ask the question. And many times we don't ask the question. We just make an assumption and then we don't say, oh, that's not what I'm saying. Or we'll say, you saying, you, you're not getting what I'm saying. So then it's our responsibility to say, this is what I'm saying. And if this, if there's no absolute clear understanding, then you know that that person, that person needs you know, a breakthrough moment, or they need some redevelopment in their thinking, or, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no coming, there's no coming past that point. So then you have to just pull back and understand that you are speaking in prophecy as you do most times. And everybody don't have an ear to hear prophetic word. You have to have an ear to hear that. So that's that was something else, something I just wanted to share early on in the conversation, just about communication, because I don't we don't practice that well. A lot of times we as people, because we because we you know what I mean, because the way we flow with words and just rhythm and, and time and space and energy and how it feels. That's how we talk. But we don't take the time to be like, oh, what are you saying? How are you? What do you mean? We don't do that a lot. It has to, it's something learned. So I think that, you know, uh, like I said, what Lady T was saying about just you going, being before your time, people have to have an ear to hear prophetic word. The, those of us that have, they can feel with the emotional intelligence, you don't have to open your mouth for me to know what you're talking, what you're thinking or feeling, because I'm feeling it over here. They playing the game. And so I said, dude, that's a portal. I said, you need to be careful. I said, what is your, what's your goal with this game? Do you want it to go across the world? Because if you do, I can help you with that. But you need to be clear and sure on what it is. First off, you need to know that this is a portal. He's like, what you mean? I said, everybody. I said, anytime you bring this up, how, what, what people come, everybody trying to get this game and, and make it theirs. That's what white folk do. Once they see that right there and I can create all this different shit with it, that's what our children do. And they try to get it without our permission because they know we're going to have say-sos about how it's going to go. Or what You know what I'm saying? Not knowing what this is opening up, what this door is opening up. And these words, spells, they trigger people. So you're going to only play the game from your perspective. That's the only way you can play it. And there's no losing is a win-win for everybody. I was like, this is remarkable. You, you don't know what you did with this, but you need to be clear on what, how you want it to go across the world because then it becomes a responsibility of our, you know what I'm saying? Again, here, that's our response. How did it go out? You want to make money? I mean, what is it about for you? There's a way for us to move. Imagine if we were not on this land anymore. Keep stroking that water. Love that one, JD. I think I'm a right. I think I'm a right on that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, what if we were not on this land anymore? How does that question hit you? What do you understand it to really be asking? Take away the source of anything, and what will, will you have? You first have to have the knowing. 
feeling your individual connection to feel the whole. Now, this was the last of the Roe versus Wade conversation, and I want to thank my participants for participating and lending their voices, lifting their voices in this hot topic. Now, as you can see, things have passed, and we're talking about some other stuff now, or looking for some other stuff to talk about as the elections are are swiftly approaching. I feel like a lot that was said in this conversation speaks and spoke for itself. So I just really want to leave you all with this. There are levels of knowing the truth as there are in being receptive to it. Just remember it's up to the individual true to truly want to know and that it begins with self. Know thyself and you shall know others. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned. I have some wonderful conversations with the youth coming up for a community for the community podcast. So you all make sure you all put your ears to the grind on True Chat, a community podcast coming next week. Thank you all. Thank you to my monthly supporters. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, signing off and out. Peace.